Hey, this is Gavin Jackson with the South Carolina Lead, and we're continuing our summer look at quote-unquote interesting stuff. In this episode, I speak with one of the state's top research economists, Dr. Joy Von Nessen of the Darlamore School of Business at the University of South Carolina. Now, if you're a regular lead listener or watch This Week in South Carolina, then you'll know that Professor Von Nessen has been a calm, insightful voice for all things economics in our state, even more so during the turmoil of the past year and the ongoing recovery. So other Gavin, take it away. Thank you, Gavin. Joey, thanks for joining us as always. It's more important than ever to get an economic update on what our state is facing as we continue to navigate the recovery. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Gavin. It's great to be here. Perfect. So, Joey, we're talking right now on July 22nd, and the big story continues to be inflation. We saw some new numbers come out for June, which had the biggest monthly gain in uh, the CPI index since August of 2008, with prices rising by 5.4%. What have you been telling people when they ask you about how this is affecting these rising costs, how it's affecting our recovery? Uh, Are people, are they making sense of it? What do you tell them when they ask you these questions about inflation? Well, the big question right now is whether or not inflation is likely to be transitory or more long run. That's that's really the big uncertainty. That's what the Fed is trying to, to better understand with these new data that come out on a month-to-month basis. Fortunately, right now, the data suggests that the inflation that is driving the current numbers, uh, so the current rate of inflation at 5.4%, that's primarily being driven by an increase in demand for goods related to the service sector that saw a major decline in demand in 2020 and are now coming back. So those are going to be things like used cars and air travel and gas and lodging. All of those goods, all of those items have seen a major increase in demand and a corresponding increase in in pricing. And used cars by themselves, for example, contribute a disproportionate amount to that 5.4% inflation. Without that increase in price in used cars, inflation instead of 5.4% would have only been 3.5%. Still high, but not nearly as high as we have seen. So that's what the, the current data show. However, looking forward, the question is whether or not that's going to then spread to other parts of the economy to the point where inflation would be likely to stay high over time. And the way to look at that is to keep our eye on how quickly wages are rising. If we see significant spikes in in wage growth over a very short period of time across the economy, that's an indication that inflation may be likely to stay around for a longer period. Because once wages go up, when employers raise wages, they typically uh, stay elevated. They don't don't come back down. Um, So that's really the metric we're looking for to see if inflation is likely to stay with us for the rest of this year and into 2022. Gotcha. And Joey, we'll talk about uh, wages and labor in a moment. I want to stick with uh, inflation as well, like we were talking about the used cars. I'm assuming that's because of the semiconductor shortage, which is driving up you know, the ability to get new cars out there. Uh, and this is all, again, a lot of this inflation is because of supply chain issues, right? We're restarting the whole economy, and it takes time to get everything back to where it was after everything shut down for a year, essentially. Exactly. And you can see this when you're driving around in Columbia and in South Carolina and you drive by a new dealership and there's just not that many cars on on the lot. So it's it's a very real phenomenon. A lot of that is due to the supply shortage with the semiconductors that you mentioned, but also from the increase in demand for travel that's increased uh, the demand for, for rental cars. And so when you see a, a shortage of supply coupled with an increase in demand, that's the perfect recipe for a rapid increase in price. And, and that's exactly what we're seeing. I was going to say, should I sell my house and my car? And then what would I do with it then, right? Oh, I mean, that's right. It's expensive. <laughs> well, both at the same time, yeah. 
Yeah. But also sticking with housing, you know, it seems like housing is also fueling these prices too. What what role is that playing in inflation there too? I mean, it seems like a little bit of an, a bigger chunk of that and, and housing costs in general too, rents and, and the like. Housing costs are are going up and we're seeing a, a major surge in prices that's relatively unique that we haven't seen certainly in South Carolina uh, in, in many years. Um, and that's but that's been persistent throughout the pandemic. And, and that's been because we've seen a, a significant shift away from the service sector over the last year uh, and towards spending on durable goods across the board. And, and housing, of course, is, is one example of a durable good. So people have had instead of going on vacation, they may be using it for a, a down payment on a house or maybe to renovate their home. So they're shifting their spending. And in addition to that, disposable income for American consumers has been significantly elevated over the last year, as have savings rates. And so there's so so consumers have just been in a better financial position as a whole. So all of that has fueled this higher housing demand um, and created, particularly now, uh, these these supply shortages. For example, we've seen the increase in price of of lumber, which has recently come back down. Uh, but over the last year, that's been significantly elevated too. And you're saying there's a bit of a pullback in residential housing markets as well. What's happening there? Yes. Yeah, so in in the last few months, we we have begun to see a pullback from these these very high and record levels of, of demand in, in the U.S. and in South Carolina. And that's because we've begun to see that substitution effect move in the opposite direction. So last year at this time, people were spending more on goods and less on services. Uh, but now there's that pent-up demand to actually go out and travel and spend time with, with family and friends, going out to eat and, and all of these uh, uh, participating in the service economy. Um, and, and so now they're pulling that demand. Consumers are pulling that uh, or those dollars rather from the durable goods sector and from housing. So we're seeing housing demand now revert back to levels more consistent with what we saw in 2019 and 2020 before the pandemic. But still a lot of lot of quick moves on the markets out there. I mean, I had a house down the street from me that zipped on, you know, it was, they put a for sale sign out there like one day, then a week later it was sold. I mean, it, you still hear these stories about people making these crazy cash offers and in the oh, bidding yes. war. But like you're saying, it's still, uh, we've reached a point now where it's starting to slow down back to normalcy, it sounds like. Yes. And, and when we say slow down, we have, to, we have to put that in context. We're not talking about a major contraction. We're talking about a, a, a tapering off of, of demand that's been at record levels. So, so housing demand is likely to be strong throughout the second half of the year. And I think it's, it's, it's appropriate to think about it as moving back towards the levels we saw in 2019 and early 2020, which, by the way, were record years at the time. So the, the housing market was, was doing very well going into the, the pandemic. It's not just a, a new phenomenon that we've observed over the last year. So you don't think there's any room for a bubble at this point or anything like that? Not, not in the sense that... Not, right, am not I just so warped from like 2008? About 2000. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's always the default, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so I think it's always important to come back and compare that. So no, I would say this economy and this housing market is nothing like 2008. But having said that, we yes, I think it's fair to say we are in, in somewhat of a bubble in the sense that the level, the unique levels of sales activity we're seeing now um, are, not, uh, are not likely to be long lasting. Well, let's move over to the labor market, another big story that we've been following for months now. Uh, tens of thousands of open jobs in our state and around the, the United States. Uh, our unemployment rate has been budging down. I think it just went down a tenth of a percent in June. Uh, nothing crazy there, but we might be seeing a bigger move in July since we got rid of those federal unemployment benefits that the governor uh, next early instead of doing in September, got rid of them at the end of June. I want to get your thoughts, uh, Joey. What do you think that might mean when we look at July numbers when they come out later in August? 
Well, I think we will begin to see more people coming back into, into the labor force consistently as we move through the second half of the year. There, there are at least four major reasons why we have this labor shortage right now. You, you mentioned one being the supplemental benefits from the federal government. And in South Carolina, the cutoff there is about $16 an hour, meaning that if you were earning $16 an hour or less before the pandemic began, then up until June 30th, when the federal benefits were cut off, you were better off financially staying on unemployment than, uh, than going back to work. So that created a, a created a disincentive. But beyond that, we also see individuals who are still caring for, for children who have been staying home, learning virtually, maybe caring for other uh, elderly parents or other relatives that uh, are, are more susceptible to COVID. And then we also see savings rates uh, that have been extraordinarily high over the last year, doubled what they typically are for uh, for Americans. And that's due to these uh, these stimulus checks and to the, uh, the generous uh, unemployment benefits. And that allows individuals to be a bit more choosy and to take their time when going back to work because they can live off of those savings. So it, it, it just creates a lag from uh, where we are now until more people choose jobs that they want to go back to, that they're qualified for, and, and move back into the labor force. So there are a variety of reasons why this labor shortage has persisted. Um, but I think as we, as we look ahead, as we see the unemployment benefits uh, expire from, from the federal uh, supplement, as well as people going back to school in the fall, I think those, those together will help mitigate uh, some of this labor shortage. So do you think that the employees will will kind of keep running the show, those, you know, potential employees who are making these demands for higher wages or or folks who are, you know, looking to jump ship and go somewhere else and say, hey, if you can raise my salary because this other place is offering me X amount of dollars. Uh, I mean, are these situations still kind of controlling uh, labor demands at this point or have things shifted back towards, you know, employers favorability? No, this is definitely a uh, a good market for workers, uh, and and the best market that we've seen in in over a decade easily, and we we see that because the labor shortage is so high, the job openings rate right now is so high, and and so that's going going to continue to put upward pressure on on wages, and that will allow workers to demand more flexibility and and other benefits that they're looking for. So it's it's a great job market right now, and and one of the best that we've seen. South Carolina. One other note on this from a from a national perspective, uh, South Carolina is actually one of the few states in the in the nation right now that has seen an increase in the in its labor force since February of 2020, one of only 10 states. And one of the reasons for that is that the bulk or over half of the decline in the labor force that we've seen during the pandemic is because of retiring baby boomers. And in South Carolina, where baby boomers tend to be older, our, our demographics in, in the state skew a bit older. Uh, baby boomers, in many cases, are already retired, so that didn't affect us quite as much. That, so that that is a little bit different in terms of what we're facing in South Carolina uh, relative to the rest of the country. And Joey, when you're talking about, you know, kind of circling back to what you're talking about with these uh, employees having a lot of control here when it comes to wages, you also mentioned earlier in the in the show that we're talking about wage growth as an indication of inflation sticking around. So it seems like a pretty double-edged sword there, right, where you want to get, you know, better wages for employees, people that feel like they've been undervalued, and now they're demanding higher wages. But then at the same time, it could also lead to inflation sticking around longer. 
Exactly. And that's why it's important to get to get people back to work. And and we we want to see more people coming back into the labor force. We want to get labor force participation rates more comparable to what they were back in 2019 and 2020. And if we can do that, we can continue to see growth, including wage growth, um, that is at a pace that is consistent with a, a rate of inflation that's closer to 2%. And that 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 combination is really what we were at in 2019 and, and 2020. One of the things I think that we lose sight of sometimes is how well the U.S. economy was actually doing leading up to the pandemic, and that's uh, that's a place that we would like to get back to from a from the perspective of the U.S. economy as a whole, if 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 we can. Yeah, you kind of a. Uh... You know, it's it's nice looking back, thinking, oh, things were so easy back then. In a sense, you know, it was, it was, everything was taken care of. You weren't really worried about inflation. They always wanted to get to two percent. Now we're at five point four percent. Like everything's kind of out of whack, and you're trying to trying to balance everything back to where it was before when everything was nice and normal. Exactly. We, and we did have a little bit of a labor shortage going into 2020, but it wasn't nearly as as severe as it, as it is now. And one of the reasons why uh, the, the labor shortage is so severe is because we we kind of had a, a, a running start, so to speak. We were, we were just beginning to see a little bit of one going into 2020. And then, of course, everything that's happened in the last uh, year or so has has just exacerbated that challenge. Yeah. And speaking of that, Joey, I mean, we're talking now, I mean, January was our peak. Um, you know, we've gone through the worst of it was in January and in December, those times we had the horrible numbers, cases, and that wasn't just here, it was around the whole country. Uh, but now COVID numbers are again rising. We've seen them decline ever since January, but now they're they're slowly ticking back up. A big reason behind all that is that we've only had 44% of our eligible population being fully vaccinated in the state. That's led to the spread of the Delta variant, which is threatening the recovery. How do you see this playing out right now when we we look at, you know, mar- market volatility this week. You know, there's been a lot of different things happening. People are worried about how this could spread and how it could affect the recovery. What are you telling people? What do you think we should be watching? So the fundamental metric this really comes down to is, is consumer confidence. And how does the, the Delta variant and, and the spread of the Delta variant in, impact consumer confidence, particularly in, in the service sector? That's the one that's recovering now. And that's the one that's going to be, just like it was last year, that's going to be the one that's affected if we see a drop in consumer confidence because people are concerned about about getting sick they're not going to want to go out they're not going to want to travel and so this volatility in the stock market what we've seen this week has largely been in 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 service sectors and service related businesses where there's a concern that oh the demand's not going to be there uh, going forward that that we thought was going to be there just uh, just a few weeks ago so it really comes down to to consumer confidence and how that is reacting to the spread of this this Delta variant. I don't think that there's an appetite for any type of widespread shutdown of the U.S. economy, anything comparable to what we saw last year. And businesses as well are more prepared this time around if they do encounter a situation where uh, they have to adjust their their operations. Last year, of course, this came out of out of nowhere, and no business had ever had to deal with anything like this before. Now they're at least somewhat prepared and and understand how they would have to react. So so I don't see this being a necessarily derailing uh, our, our recovery, but it could impact it, um, certainly if consumer confidence begins to go down. Yeah, and then just kind of uh, looking forward besides that, Joey, what else are you paying attention to? Uh, do we have to keep, kind of keep our eye on the unemployment rate to, to kind of make a certain, pass a certain threshold to be like, oh, we've really kind of gotten back to where we need to be? I mean, I know we're still, I don't think all of our jobs have returned yet. So is that something you're going to be looking forward to what other indicators are you going to be following, trends we should be watching? 
Yes, we're looking at employment. Uh, employment trends are the are the number one metric in terms of how we're recovering right now. We're within to about three and a half percent of the uh, employment levels we were at back in back in February of 2020. Though most of that is still uh, due to the leisure and hospitality sector not having fully recovered. Um, we're looking at at inflation and again the the impact that wage growth and and the labor shortage will have on on inflation. The metric that I think listeners need to be most paying attention to from the perspective of inflation is looking at core inflation and whether or not that stays above 3.0%, so above 3%. And core inflation is the measure that the Federal Reserve uses to, to track inflation. And that's where they look at all goods minus food and energy prices because food and energy are uh, notoriously volatile. Uh, so they move around quite a bit, and it's 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 something that they tend to to, to throw out because it it's not very helpful because those data are so noisy. So if you look at everything else, core inflation, which is currently running at four point five percent as opposed to five point four for the economy as a whole, um, if that stays above three point zero percent for an extended period, that's that's really the signal to be looking for to judge when the Fed is likely to raise interest rates. And just two quick ones before we go. Have what? What do you think we've we've maybe changed? What do you think we've learned? What's different now the, since the past year, Joey? I know we've we've always talked about you know maybe more people moving to the state, uh, but what have you seen looking back? Maybe research, maybe talking with people. Some things that have changed. Uh, maybe it be ec- economic development. Maybe it's the way business is being done in the state. Or have we not changed that much? I mean, we're seeing investment in in broadband that's happening in a lot of places around the country. Uh, wh- what's the big takeaways from? The past year, past 18 months, in your opinion? Well, I think one thing that we're going to see is more efforts geared towards developing South Carolina from the perspective of retaining the talent that we have and recruiting new people uh, to come into the state as opposed to recruiting businesses. Both are both are still important, and I, and I don't mean to discount the importance of recruiting businesses, but now that the need to work in the same city that you live, now that we can uh, work remotely, South Carolina has the opportunity to really take advantage of that because we are a lower cost of living state relative to to most others. We do have a lot of natural amenities here, and and this is a, a very attractive place to live, uh, particularly when you can choose any any place in the country and you don't have to be located near your your place of employment. So South Carolina has a real opportunity to take advantage of that reality and promote and brand the competitive assets that we that we have to individuals who are living and graduating in, in South Carolina from our various universities and, and, and matching them with employers that are located around the country and, and around the world and, and doing the opposite. Also looking at bringing people in saying, you can work anywhere um, and why not live in South Carolina? So that's going to be an important part of economic development, I think, going forward that we're just now figuring out how to, uh, how to proactively take advantage of and capitalize on. And just a simple sentence, long answer, perhaps. What's the big headline, in your opinion, in terms of what the economy looks like in South Carolina right now? The big takeaway message for some folks. Well, I think the, the main phrase I would use is that we are going through economic whiplash, bottom line. And the major contraction we saw in 2020 is now being coupled with a major expansion this year, a major increase in demand. And a lot of the challenges that we're facing right now, everything from supply shortages to inflation to labor shortages, comes about from the fact that we're just going through growing pains because of a, uh, a huge spike in demand as we get to a post-COVID economy. So that whiplash that we're experiencing likely to continue for the next several months, but it's, it's, it's a good sign that we are 
moving in the direction of, of getting back to normal and getting back to a, a fully functional economy. Gotcha. Great message right there. Super informative discussion, as always, with you, Dr. Joey Von Nessen of the USC Darrell Moore School of Business. Thanks again. Always appreciate your time. My pleasure, Gavin. Thank you. Thanks again to Professor Von Nessen and to our listeners. And also, stay tuned, y'all, for our upcoming episodes as we continue our summer listening series. Hi, I'm a tastemaker. And if you're listening, so are you. <laughs> Did you get that?